So the other day you mentioned that you got off on a rabbit trail and oh, God, yeah. this was at the gym. You mentioned you were, you ended up reading an article about the creator of Dungeons and Dragons and the, I should say the true creator. An alternative story to the yes, like of Dungeons the, and Dragons. Yes, yeah. the alternative history. And it begged the question, what trail were you? If, if, we, if we walked that trail back, what started that journey? My theory is that as we've been role-playing a little bit more, you have been swept up in the fun and the exhilaration of the exhilarating feeling of having to improvise this brand new world and maybe felt a little lost and scared at times and you didn't like that vulnerability that you felt and so you thought how can i get better at this <laughs> well let me see what people who are into dungeons and dragons do uh that may help me and so i think you've been working on this a lot i'm not going to say that you're joining any groups that you've been in in like someone's house playing or you've been on like watching youtube videos of people playing but that's the thing. People watch other people play Dungeons. Oh Dragons. yeah, go on YouTube. It's it's very entertaining. Okay. By some people's standards, I am entertained by watching <laughs> this. There are people who will. I'm drawing a blank on the name, but there's a YouTube channel where they have voice actors and actors and uh, different people who are very expressive and theatrical and create these worlds purely through their words. Wow. That it, it's just funny. There's this, this spontaneity that. Like chaos happens and anything can happen. And I know that you know this and you're just playing very <laughs> coy. Right? You're being very coy right now. Yeah, no, I had no idea. And you're going like, yeah, okay, I didn't know that. Uh, but <laughs> we will see at the end of this episode. Oh, we're into just, one of those. Okay. Just how much you haven't prepared for it. I just wanted to warn you. Okay. The countdown begins now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, today's episode is on big man jujitsu, big guy jujitsu. And we are. Thank you so much. We are just jujitsu, <laughs> the podcast all about jujitsu and figure skating from the 1990s. That's what we do, that's what we know, that's what we love. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kryler. Last episode, I, I asked if you could take on that role, and you are killing it, man. I'm on it. <laughs> I get why you are successful at jujitsu at your job. It's because things like this, these big tasks that are put I upon forget. you, yeah. you you take them and you run with them. Yeah, oh yeah. Thank you for that. Yep. Now, <laughs> big guy jujitsu. I was I was thinking about this because you always hear people say small man jujitsu, old guy jujitsu, and I feel like the big guys get left out a lot. Absolutely. And when I say big, I'm meaning. Not necessarily tall and lanky. That could be be there in some cases, but I'm thinking heavy, powerful people who just have to. I mean, honestly, I think I think it's harder to start jujitsu that way, maybe because there'd be a pressure there. You're expected to at least be able to beat, in your own mind, at least a good percentage of the class because you walk in and think I'm bigger than that person, I'm stronger than that person. 
if I can't control them and beat them, there's something wrong with me. Because that's how we're like conditioned to kind of think. Mm-hmm. What's as a big guy? What's what? What? How do you feel? I'm I'm like the worst worst example. Y- you this. are, you are <laughs> not am. a good example for this one. <laughs> so I say this all the time, but nobody believes me. One, I am the weakest six foot three, two hundred forty pound guy you will ever meet. I I just don't have any sort of physical power. Um, I also because of that had to play a little guy game, you know, and, and my game became very good and very technical because I had to do that. But I didn't have a choice. Anytime I competed, I competed against these behemoths mm-hmm. and that could probably bend a crowbar in half. And I'm over here, you know, struggling to like do a few push ups, you know? Yeah, the weight that you have is completely negated at that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it comes down to like they're super strong and, and I had to make up all of that with, with technique, which again brings me to to what i was trying to start with was you know my my grandfather believed that you know anytime he saw a huge guy he's like look at you you don't even know jujitsu you're a big motherfucker you know (laughs) like and and it's true right i mean the point of jujitsu is to even things out give a, a you know a fair chance to the person who is smaller weaker maybe not as athletic um as the the physical specimen you know, um, so I won't speak from personal experience because I I tell I mean I have friends that are like, well you're you're strong I'm I'm, I'm not and and I don't and, and if I do maybe it's some sort of weird body dysmorphia where I find myself to be weak or something I, I don't I don't know, but um, oftentimes what I see in in people at seminars or, you know, students or people that send me messages, you know, asking questions when it comes to big guys is there is, there are a few, um, there's, there's, there's a few different stigmas against big guys. There's a few different, um, biased against them, you know, that, that, that the big guy is more likely to hurt you than the little guy that, you know the big guy is just muscling. If he if he wins, he's just muscling you around. That his jiu-jitsu isn't as good because you know he can put his weight on you, or you know it's not fair that anytime he gets this position, I'm just simply stuck. Right? Those are like those are real common things, and that that's from everybody else. But then on the big guy side of things, you know just like the small guy may have a weakness to being stuck in the bottom of side mount, right? The big guy may have a problem with the little guy who is all over him like a spider monkey. You know, he may get tired sooner. He may not have the ability to control that small person. But nobody talks about that because how dare the big guy, you know, bitch about a small guy beating him up. You know, you can't do that, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But that's something that goes through their head, right? So they can't complain that a little guy's better than them because they're bigger therefore they have two two options or they feel like they have two options i'm sure there's other options but the the two most common being i must smash these guys and use all my power and all my strength and all my weight and all my size and just it doesn't have to be pretty i just can't look like an idiot in front of these people or I must be so careful because maybe they are right. Maybe I am gonna hurt them more. Maybe if I use my power, they'll they'll don't they won't like me. They'll say I'm just using muscle. 
and I'm just using my size and then they'll shun me. So they're kind of in a damage if you do, damage if you don't scenario. Um, and it's, it's very, very, um, it's, a, it's a tough issue to have because it's easy for us to tell the, the small person, hey, just persevere. It'll be all right. One day you'll be tapping these big guys, right? Because that's a sense of achievement. Yeah, you can work up to that. I, I can look up and go, I can, I can beat those bigger guys. Well, I, that's a that's a physical achievement. I can that's see. Like, yeah. yeah. But the big guy, what do, you, what do you tell the big guy who, if he if he doesn't use what he's got, gets beat up by the little guy and feels like shit, and if he does use his attributes and he does get the better of an exchange gets told that he's doing jiu-jitsu wrong and then feels like shit. Like, what does he have to shoot for? Right. Hey, if, if you do this for a couple of years, do you see that uh, little guy over there? Yeah. You won't be able to beat him, but you might be able to survive a little bit longer. Right. Wait, are you talking about that, that little guy over there in the in the uh, the A1 gi? Yeah, that guy. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm just going to stop right now. Right. There's no incentive to win. There's no, like, um, not the incentive to win, but there's no clear motivation to improve well and like you said i mean if if they use their attributes that are just right there for them strength weight size pressure everyone just says oh yeah he's just strong if someone small just uses their speed yeah no one ever says oh, he just uses his speed they're just well, think about it this way. Why is it that in every sport, every combative sport, even other sports, why is it that the smaller guys in those sports tend to be hailed as more technical and superior than their heavy or, or super heavy counterparts? Right. Well, why is that? Is it the, the assumption is that you have they have more to overcome because what matters most is power and strength so so let me let me ask you a different question i'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of lead you here <laughs> um are they more technical the little guys in comparison to the bigger guys not necessarily but generally speaking by like if you're looking at like survival of the fittest yeah they got the guys who stick around and are smaller are only going to survive if they do have technique to supplement but why because they have to right there's yeah. nothing else so yes, generally speaking, the small people are more technical, which means that the bigger bigger people, how do they? Why are they less technical? Wouldn't you say? Well, they have to fight big guys too. Not as frequently. Not bigger than them. So if they're roughly the same size, the fight becomes who is the stronger, or bigger, or heavier of the of the two, right? They operate um, in a world where. Their main currency just ends up being strength, size, physicality, mm. physicality. Yeah, that's because a good there's one. there's plenty of it to go around, mm. right? And then the technique is like the cherry on top, right? Versus the small guy who is the has to rely solely on technique, and if he happens to be an athlete, just a smaller athlete, that's the cherry on top. That's what it gives him the distinction, right? And and people don't often acknowledge that, right? Um, why is that a problem? Well, the reason why that's a problem is because if you're a big guy and you go into a school where the instructor is very, very small, right? What are the odds that you're going to have the same game 
as a very small instructor. Very small. Right. So generally speaking, you're going to have to figure that out on your own. And that becomes a problem because you're trying your hardest to do the same movement you see in class, to move like the small people do. And there's nobody there to guide you. And you get frustrated because nobody's really helping you. Nobody's going to help the big guy who's struggling. They'll help the small guy who's struggling, right? Because you feel bad for them. They're smaller. You need to help them extra. Mm. And it's easy to let the big guy go on the wayside because they're bigger. They'll figure it out. Look at them. They're huge, right? And um, when when that happens, it leads to them having to basically self-teach. I have to make this arm bar work. Nobody's helping me move my hips the right way or teach me how to change my weight. They're just saying, your leg has to come here. And I don't, I don't quite understand that. So it has to work. Maybe if I sit on them, then they don't move. I can step over their head. And you just do that. Right. You know, there's nobody there. But the little guy, the little guy sits on top of somebody. They just move him, right? So the little guy is much more likely to be taught, hey, if you angle here, if you shift your weight there, if you pivot on this spot you'll get better entries and better success. So do you notice when you go to different schools, the schools that have coaches that are and instructors that are larger, that their bigger guys are more technical because they're learning from someone who no. understands it? No, because they themselves don't generally tend to be... Because that instructor technical. learned is from also, someone. Is also not as technical as they could be. Usually what we see, it's, a, it's an interesting trend. Okay, so next time you um, you visit a different school, pay attention that all the upper ranks, let's say this school is being led by a 220-plus pound man, right? Whatever height you want. I'm just saying 220-plus is a big guy, right? Generally speaking, all the upper belts in that school will also be around 220 plus well in a school where the instructor may be let's say 150 minus pounds the upper belts in that school will also be 150 pounds or minus why is that because the they will they will the big guys will promote on the guys that give them, them the hardest time, which will be other big guys. The small guys will appreciate the technique of the smaller guy, mm. but not the technique of the bigger guy. To me, a healthy sign is when you see a school where there's a, a, either a, a big you know instructor or a small instructor, but the upper belts are a varied number of different weights. They don't all are uniform to the instructor. So how have you then made sure not to uh, favor or teach or conduct yourself in a way that, oh, all of a sudden I'm surrounded by purple belts and brown belts that are my size. I mean, the brown belts and purple belts at my school are all varied sizes. Yeah, Right. I'm saying, how have yeah. you avoided that? What have you... Um, I don't teach only what I do. So generally speaking, um, we... we we do the things that we like and we like them because we're successful. So generally speaking, if I am successful with, let's say a particular choke 
or, or, or even nothing, nothing like that. Let's say I'm successful with making a meal. There's a dish I like to make, whatever dish, lasagna, right? So I'm, I, I make lasagna and I'm successful with it. It tastes good. I like it. Maybe I share it with you. You like lasagna. So every time you say, hey, Curly, how about you make dinner? I'm more likely to make the lasagna than I am to try a new dish. Fair. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that? You know you're good at it. But it's cooking. Skills should transfer. But it's it's confirmed. You know. It felt good knowing that you acknowledged my skills. Hmm. Right? It wasn't just that I was successful, yes. But there was also another positive reinforcement that you also liked it. I see that right? little extra bit. So if, if and, and generally speaking, and this is not all instructors, of course, but generally speaking... Um, when you go to an instructor and you see this often with instructors that are not black belts that have not been around for a while this becomes like it skyrockets the, the number of people to do that but even black belts will do this you may see a black belt or a brown belt that is very good let's say in close guard right and they will teach nothing but close guard they won't venture out of it they will never teach half guard or butterfly or de la Hiva. Not because they don't know it, right? But because maybe they're not as successful with them, right? So let's say a little guy. Let's say a little guy who likes to do De La Hiva, right? And he becomes very good at De La Hiva, reverse De La Hiva. He just spins around your legs. You can't stop him. Phenomenal, right? And then let's say there's a, a black belt that gets formed out of that school. Okay, let's say he's a 250-plus pound guy. Odds are he's not going to be playing De La Hiva. Right, odds are he's gonna to like to smash pass. So if you look at the school, at, let's say he opens his own school, even though he came from a guy who taught small men jujitsu, he is more likely to focus his teaching on smash passing than he is on what his instructor knew. <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. So I think, for better or worse, I've been blessed with one great instructor's. Um, of all different sizes and shapes and, and body types and styles. But two, I think me being weak, which is something that frustrated me forever, um, was actually a blessing in disguise. And um, I remember there was a guy once who, I forget his name now. It was like a common name. Anyways, he used to do um, exhibition feats, you know, in like in Alcard, Mishawaka. Oh, like feats there. of strength. Yeah, like he he one time he uh, I think his name was Henry. I don't remember now. He um, they they tied him to a semi, and he pulled the semi. Okay. You know, like just freakishly powerful. And I remember um, rolling with him, and and again, I always saw myself as a small guy, and you know, I could I would get put in my back. The guy was bigger than me, stronger than me, better shape. And I would get arm bars and omoplatas and stuff. And then I was told that I was to not submit them, submit him at all, unless he was on his back. So basically you had to sweep him and get him to his back? I wasn't even all to pull guard. So I had to find a way to put this gigantic man who's super powerful on his back without using what I was good at. So the first day... I was incredibly frustrated because I tried to overpower him. I figured if I grabbed him like he grabbed me and I tried to toss him like he tossed me, that this would work. Except 
I'm not that strong. <laughs> and I got thrown around a lot. You and can only pull like a Honda Civic. Not even that. <laughs> Maybe like a, like, you know, a, moped. a bicycle, a moped, a moped. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A little bit bulkier. Yeah. You know, I, or, you know, or like, well, what's one of those, like, uh, the, not a moped. I'm talking about one Vespa of those. Vespa uh, or a no, scooter. Scooter. A scooter. Yeah. <laughs> one of those, you know. You know, if you ever are like trying, trying to train for something, I would be happy to get on a scooter and we'll throw like a harness around you and you can just pull me around town. Yeah. yeah. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> that'd be the least, that'd be the least intimidating like training video. Oh, he's been training hard. Let's cut to some of the footage. He's pulling a child on a scooter. All right. Anyways, get away. Yeah. But So, you know, um, because of that, like I, like I said, I, I went home that night and I was very upset that I couldn't put him on his back, that I couldn't do to him what he did to me. And um, I woke up the next day, and I don't know why I woke up feeling that way, but the next day, my whole day was mentally preparing to like just use everything that I had, every ounce of strength, and just you just need to put him on his back once. I don't care if I get tossed for the rest of the hour, but I'm gonna. I'm going to muscle him to his back. And I had this whole thing in my head. And I go and he was there again. And I was same, same goal. Right. So I, I mean, like I gave it everything that I got. And it was like when a little kid like tries to like push you over. (laughs) And then this dude like just threw me. Right. So for whatever reason that helped me realize one thing, like, Hey, this is not what I'm good at. Like, this is not something I was gifted with. Like, this, like, almost, like, you know, animalistic strength. Like, that's not something I have. So, um, you know, I, I, I this, you know, and this is all happening. These thoughts were happening very fast because I had to keep going with this guy for the hour. And um, the, the thought that came to my head was, what am I good at? If this isn't it, what am I good at? Well, I... I'm good at grappling. Like I am good at, at using my angles, at using my flexibility. I'm good at understanding how to pivot and how to, you know, where to apply pressure. These are things that I'm good at. I may not have the raw power, but I can use the little bit of power I have more efficiently. And then I'll then I put him on his back. And once I did it once, then it, it was like easy. It was like I I had I got the keys to the kingdom and everything was I could do whatever I wanted. You know, it was it was surprisingly easy at that point. So, how did that train your uh, change your training from that point forward? Well, it it further cemented that one, I'm weak. <laughs> I mean, that's like something really got ingrained then. But two, that I can be a much more difficult and a much more um, threatening grappler if I grapple to my strength, which for me was the technical side of things, the little guy jujitsu. I just happened to be a big dude. So like I've had plenty of times where I've grappled guys who were just far stronger than me, who at the end of it said, man, you feel so strong and you feel so heavy. But the reality is I'm not. I just make them work in situations where they're not, um, you know, they're not in a mechanically optimal position. You know, everything that they do takes more energy than it should and everything that I do takes less energy than it should because we're better positioned but you know the whole point of this is not to like sound like I'm bragging but the whole point of this is to because of that because of those experiences when I teach 
I don't teach just the things that I excel at. I teach everything. Like techniques that I even say, hey, I don't like this one, but maybe one of you guys will, or, or you'll take it on, you know, you'll like this kind of thing better. And because I'm both physically a big guy, but in my mind, I'm, I think of myself as a small guy. I can go to you and show you how I would do it because you're a small guy. And I can go to somebody big, let's say like a Roy, and show how I know other guys do this. And and because of that, I think I see more of an even uh, leveling up, as, you know, so to speak, in, in the school. So for a new big guy starting out, how should they approach their training? How should they approach rolling and drilling with other people? Um, are we talking about like mentally or physically? I would say physically, right? Well, you know what? Let's go mentally because a lot of when you're starting out, so much of it is just mental trying to figure out how you should behave and, and react to the people you're training with. Well, the, the topics I like to touch on if we're going to go that route is on the mental side of things, be a little bit unapologetic. Okay, don't feel like you have to, if somebody says you're so strong or so big or so heavy, don't feel like you have to justify it. You don't, right? The small guy doesn't justify being flexible and fast. You don't have to justify for being big and strong. With that in mind, um, don't use what you got. The same would be said, I would say the same thing to a small guy. Don't rely on just your speed or just your flexibility. It'll get you into trouble, right? Um, use it only when needed. Um, and understand that it is better to have a failure due to improper technique than to have a success that is buffered by physicality, right? Those are all things that need to be kept in the forefront of your mind. Um, as far as um, moving further into training, always train, always train in a way that is going to lead you to be most technical. So if it means asking a lot of questions, questions that are maybe even be annoying, ask. If you cannot do something because your body does not move a certain way because you're a bigger guy, ask, is there a way to do this that I can do it? You know, and maybe your instructor knows of a way, maybe they don't, or maybe they can sit down and work with you and find a way that is still technically efficient, but maybe modify the technique a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, and then find out what your goal is. You know, is your goal competition? Is your goal to be good today? Or is it your goal to be good in 10 years? Is your goal to be doing this forever because it's a hobby? Because all those things will change how you train. Right. If you're if you're just focusing to be good today, which is a horrible goal to just be good, like in the current moment, then you're not thinking big pictures. You can become very good in one day and develop bad habits that will hurt you later. Right. If your goal is to be a competitor, then your game needs to be a little bit more focused on the things that are going to take advantage of your physical attributes. Okay. Right. And then we can focus on everything else later. If you're looking to be good in 10 years, then take your time, you know, learn everything, practice everything, make sure you can do everything just as good as a small guy. Is a large guy, are there probably, I've, I've noticed with, with every different type of body size, but with bigger guys, a lot of times when we're, there are certain techniques, they'll have that mental barrier where they'll kind of go, I can't do this one. This, this is, this is like a, this is a technique for like different body type. Is that a valid point no. to bring up no I don't, I don't think so i mean many people bring that up but mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't i don't agree 
unless there is a physical deficiency. Let's say you have, a, a, let's say like a Donaher who's got, who cannot straighten his legs, right? That is a physical deficiency. Like you, he's got injuries to where he cannot extend his legs or um, like Jennifer who can no longer bend her wrist, right? She's got two titanium rods in her wrist now. So, you know, that's different. If it's inability to move because you just don't know how to move your body in a certain way, that just means you need to practice more or so it's learn not, to move your body. So it's not you can't do that. If you're if you're a 250-pound guy and you're saying you can't like roll a certain – what, you can't Imanari roll. You're saying, you, well, you can't right now, but keep working at this. And there is a point you're convinced that anyone without a certain type of disability or ailment can get to a point where they can do – nearly any technique yeah i mean i do and i'm the big guy that's doing you know I, i'm very comfortable you know doing reverse lahiva inverting i'm very comfortable with bearing bowling i'm very comfortable with all these things that are generally you know you know the 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 consen- not consensus but the general agreement is that that's a small man game you know I, i'm perfectly comfortable doing that just the same like you have guys like like grant who who's like or lucas like brown belt lucas who is a smaller guy um who's got an incredible pressure top game who sometimes feels heavier and or, or how look at like like um when how grapples with like jamal do you ever see them doing that Mm-mm. so when last time jamal grappled with how um how put him on his back and jamal couldn't get up and he's like man i was like i don't know what he did he's like i was just stuck now jamal is a 200 walks around to 225 230 six foot four you know just freshly signed with with the ufc couldn't get this you know 180 pound guy off of him so yeah i think you can do anything as long as you understand the technique and concepts and your practice so there's the mental aspect the physical aspect how do you approach your training with different people one of the things i notice and i'm happy being a small person is I never really have to pull my punches. Now, right. that doesn't mean I go 100% all the time, but I can try stuff out. I, I, there's, I don't have to limit myself in a strength aspect. I can, do, I can do whatever I want when I'm rolling with most people because they're larger and I don't have to worry about maybe hurting them most of the time. See, I would disagree with that. I think that the smaller guys are just as likely to hurt you as the big guys and, and and because of exactly the reason you just said because they don't think they can they don't have to pull punches oh. <laughs> back, right yeah so imagine imagine two guys let's say a, a guy who's 300 pounds and a guy who's 150 pounds let's say they start training the same day let's say they both learn armbar right and let's say by luck somehow the 150 pound guy puts the 300 pound guy on his back gets to mount Seize the opportunity for the armbar. What is going on through the 150 pounds head? I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna spin. I'm gonna go fast. Why'd you? Why fast? Why is that a thing? It's just that's how we work. But why does that matter? Why do you feel like you have to be fast? They can fight it. If I don't go fast and they pull me in, maybe I can't extend their arm. Right. Plus, I'm I'm half their size. How could I do any damage? They'll be all right. Yeah. Right now, imagine if the roles were reversed and the 300 pound guy said, ah, "He's 150 pounds. He can take this. And if I don't go, if I don't go with all my weight and all my power, he may be fast enough to escape." 
Yeah. Who's the asshole? Well, that's a good point because I have had so, I so many times where we're drilling and it's usually in a white belt class where it's newer people and the guys or girls will be like if we're doing arm bars from out and they're on top of me and you're saying, all right, guys, put uh, your hands on the person on bottom's chest and you're going to lift up and you're going to put pressure down. And they, when they're doing it with me, they are doing terrible arm bars because they're not really pushing down on my chest. And that's the other side, right? Mm-hmm. They're overly careful. They're being careful. And you have to come up and go, it'll be all right. And I'm like, Hey, it's okay. Like, I don't want to hurt you. That never happens with, people my size are smaller like they go really hard we just don't yeah we we, we just assume you'll be fine I, I i'm like i weigh as much as your leg right yeah so we we're the assholes and i'm starting well, to come no, to the realization what I'm, of, what I'm saying is is if a big guy hurts you it's generally speaking an accident meaning they lost their balance they fell on you you moved funny and your body couldn't take that kind of weight it could be they didn't understand how much pressure that they were putting right um where if a little guy hurts you is because he generally is throwing everything that he's got in a successful technique which the problem there is jiu-jitsu works on everyone so if you have a an arm bar and you put everything you got into it it does not matter what your size or who you're arm barring how big they are that elbow is going to break so you know a, a small guy may have more injuries where they're you know, joint damage, like uh, knee bar, heel hooks, uh, ankle locks, shoulder locks, arm bars, you know, because they were, they got there and they felt like that that was their one shot. They have to give it their all and they lose control of the submission by applying all the, all their power into it. Meanwhile, the big guy is generally speaking, he's either going to be walking on eggshells, trying not to hurt you. And by doing so, get tapped a lot because he's given openings he's you know not doing what he should be doing um or and then by doing that he may like lose his balance let's say you try to sweep a big guy and he loses his balance falls on you maybe hurts your rib right but that's because they're being too nice well if you also get a big guy who is not nice who does not care about your well-being and he may think of you just as a, a training partner at that moment and he's a little bit careless he could you know he couldn't even belly you as hard as you could him. The difference is he can't take, you can't take his weight, right? Right. Do you see smaller people progress faster because they can practice at a much harder rate? They can try a lot more things and, no. and other guy, the other guys have to... No, smaller people do progress faster, but more because they have to not because they can go faster. I think the speed of the roll is irrelevant. Um, well, not just the speed, but just the... the intensity. Yeah, the intensity. Yeah, I think that's irrelevant. Intensity will actually get you injured more than anything else. I think um, the reason why smaller people get better is because they encounter more challenges earlier on that they have to overcome. Again, think the 150-pound guy versus the 300-pound white belt, the two white belts. For the 300 pound, the 150 pound guy's strength and speed is more a nuisance than it is a challenge. Where for the 150 pound guy who has never grappled before, that man is gigantic and there is a size and strength and all these things working against him. Overcoming that challenge, you know, would in terms like level him up faster. Mm-hmm. 
over time, of course. What's the advice that you often have early on for big guys coming into the gym? Train like a small person, meaning not saying don't use your weight, don't use your size, don't use your strength, but try to be as technical as they are. And when you're not, don't buffer it. Don't use your physical attributes to buffer it. It's the same advice I give to the small people. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I have a good mix of upper belts. Mm-hmm. Are there figures that are good examples of what a large, powerful person sh- could roll like with just incredible technique and... Uh, Absolutely. Um, who would you point to? Well, Hajar. <laughs> well, that one's too easy. Well, so 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 here's an example, right? So I'm going to pick a couple of big, big guys, right? And, and we'll, we'll go through how they're all big, but they don't all roll the same. So you get a guy like um, like Bushesha, who is a physical specimen. The dude is like over 250 pounds, and he is jacked, right? Hyper athlete, super explosive. I can only imagine incredibly powerful. Um, he's got you know pretty decent technique, and you know he's like I think he's like the record black belt world titles like right now or absolute world titles. I think it's four or five now. Anyways, super accomplished, great technique physical athlete right um but he plays very much a large man game shoots a blast single blast double gets on top life is good if he goes to the bottom he pulls half guard that's the extent his little man game he does half guard goes for knee bar from half guard all the time if he can't do that he'll go 50 50 and then it's a fight to the top and he stays on top meanwhile you can have a guy like um cyborg who in my opinion plays more of a little man game than Bushesha. Don't get me wrong, if if you know Cyborg gets on top, he'll play a big big man game. But when Cyborg is in the bottom, he does a tornado guard, which is inverting and spinning and twisting and he becomes very difficult to deal with. Or you look at guys like Felipe Pena who is incredible in the scrambles. For a big guy he scrambles very, very well and you know, which is usually seen in the smaller weight classes. Are there any heavy guys that you would never expect roll in a very light way that you've seen, like at the top levels? Guys that don't have that athletic oh. build to them. Um, there's um, uh, Big O. I forget his 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 um, last name. He's a he's a Gracie Baja black belt. He's he doesn't look like a guy who'd be in shape, but he's an athlete. He's very much an athlete. I don't think people, think people underestimate him. Um, other guys that are un, unsuspectingly athletic for a big guy, uh, big girl, uh, Tiana Porfiro. Um, she is a Brazilian girl, and you would think that she is absolutely not an athlete. That girl is woman, is an incredible athlete she plays a bottom game like a small girl she plays a top game like 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 a big girl she's athletic she very light on her feet moves very well um so yeah there are there are some examples um a guy who is surprisingly athletic for as big as he is you know you get guys like Kanan Duarte who is I believe he's 230 
he he moves very well. Mary Galley moves very well. Well, I mean, we could just also record some videos of you rolling, and, and that'd be a, a good video for some people to see a large guy roll like a child. You're very childlike. Very childlike, yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to say thanks to all the big guys who let us small guys roll with you and and not not smash us like bugs sometimes. And also, thank you for let, being the jungle gym and the tree that we can climb and swing around <laughs> like tiny little spider monkeys. I, I think that the the most important thing is for us to eliminate the stigma that if a big guy is good, it's because he's big, and that a big guy is more likely to hurt you than a small guy. I think it's an equal chance. I think if you have a training partner that's careful, that that cares about your well-being, they could be whatever size they are, they won't hurt you. If you got a training partner who's a asshole, he's going to hurt you regardless of what size he is. I see. Well, that's that's a good place to end. That thank you is the ambassador of small people to the ambassador of oh. large people. Oh, okay. I dream of a day where we all can live together and in peace. In peace, yeah. yeah. Now, before we go, the countdown has ended. And speaking of living in peace, this oh is not God. that time. We last left off with you. We last left off with you. I know. I can see that smile, and I can see you looking. You have notes. Are those notes on your palm that you had from earlier (laughs) that you did in your research earlier? Yeah. Okay. So we ended with you running out of the uh, zombie animal zombie infested veterinarian clinic, whatever it was, experimentation center, and you run out and you're surrounded by police cars, and they're telling you to drop, and they have their guns drawn you look around this is quite a quite a sticky situation wasn't i picked up i thought something picked me up didn't something pick me up uh i don't think so no i think you know you're, that was the episode where it all started where like oh, a bird gotcha, picked you up gotcha. okay yeah no 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 you are standing here looking around and i mean you're wondering what can i do i i have guys with their guns drawn and then you noticed you notice on the left there is a manhole cover entering to a sewer, and it opens up, and there's a tiny little rat-like fella going, Hey! Hey! Come down here! I'll help you out! And then to the right, a portal opens up, and a huge like barbarian warrior goes, Come with me if you want to live! What do you do? You have well, the sewers, and you have this portal. Well, this world is obviously not a good one, so we'll go with the portal. All right, so you, you take the... Because in this one, I have cops are trying to kill me, bad guys are trying to kill me, zombie animals, That's and true. clearly this rat fellow that may or may not be good, but even if he is a good guy, I'm still in this shit world. But you don't know. that that it's, It could be a whole new world down there where he brings you down and you, you didn't, flow... You explain that. You flow through this sewer on like a log and he starts going, I can show you the world. And it's yeah, like no, an Aladdin in a sewer. We're going with the barbarian. Okay, so you're with the barbarian. <laughs> he pulls you in right as the the policemen start firing and it closes. And you're now in this, you're in this forest with this barbarian. And he says, hey, I saved you because you are the chosen one. You, the prophecy spoke of you, and I found I found this pillar in in this jungle that that I put my hand on, and it opened up this portal, and there you were. I mean, he, this guy's talking. He he just tells you this. How do you deal with that weight? I I just like I deal with any other stressor in my life. Sir, you are the chosen one. Do you have any words for us? And you look, and behind him, <laughs> people come out from the trees, and they all have like gifts, like fruit and tiny little. Uh, lambs and things that you would give. I would, to I would ask, "What am I the chosen one of?" 
you are the chosen one come to save us from the Geklar. The Geklar. Wow. <laughs> did you just make that up? I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, you did not it's hesitate. Not bad. You did not hesitate. It was just like, bam. <laughs> like, let's just exhale and move my mouth and see what comes out. Geklar. Okay. All right. So the Geklar, they, uh, they, obviously, we all know, they're a lizard type of people. Oh, okay. And they have overrun these barbarian people. They've kicked, they pushed them out of their native lands, and they are now living in the forest. By what means were they like, they have like illnesses, they have weaponry, are they superior in some way? They are ferocious. They are completely acting on brute force and savagery. It's terror that has caused many people to leave because they've heard, even if they haven't seen these people, they've heard these lizards, they've heard of what they've done. Gotcha. So they're looking and they say, sir, the the prophecy says that you will save us from the Geklar with your cunning, with your prowess, your skill, your commanding presence. Perfect. Perfect. What what do you, what should we do here here? And they they pull out this this sword that is sheathed, and it's 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 kind of a shitty sword. They they're presenting it to you like it's an amazing sword. So but they're so they're like inferior technology, is what you're saying. Well, you don't know what the Geklar have. You know that what you're looking at is is not something that you would expect the savior of this gotcha. uh, this barbaric race to have. So I would say thanks for the sword. And so you all right? You're holding the sword. Do you like? You put it in your back, or no, you I just, just hold it in my hand. You just awkwardly hold it. Yep. Like it's just you're holding it up. Well, in one hand. Oh, in one hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And and then a, a guy comes up and says, "This is your your harem that we give to you." And there there are <laughs> men and women that are here in this harem, and they're they're wearing a ton of face paint, and uh-huh. they also have fruit. And I, in my head, <laughs> that's what you give. That's what we, man. If I ever have like a savior that appears, I, you know, I'll just be like, "Hold on." I need to go get a fruit basket. And a harem. And a harem. <laughs> and a shitty sword. <laughs> and, a, and a rusty old sword. Okay. All right, so so you have the sword, and then you hear in, in the background this l- lizardly... <laughs> Sound. That, that's, a, that's a word. Just like from the last episode, uh, Lunation. Yeah, Lunation, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, hear, you hear this reptile-like noise, and all of a sudden you see these glowing eyes coming from the trees. And we cut. Okay. We cut for now. All right. That's All right. a good good place to it's be. It's a good place to stop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> try not to research the Geklar too much because there's not a lot of there's information. Lot. You'll, they're they're, they're think that secretive. No. Actually, you're gonna look. <laughs> I'm gonna look up Geklar and just make sure I didn't pull that out of something. I think that that would be spelled G E K L A R. Geklar. What comes up? Geklar name and meaning. No. I'm not really seeing much. Okay. Oh, there's Halo. I guess there was someone named Gek-Lar. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm coining that one. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Okay.